0: Welcome to the special focus meeting of recovery from relapse. Today is the 10th of August, 2021. And speaking, we have Nancy B from Los Angeles. Nancy, it is over to you. My name is My name is Nancy Beecham. I am compulsive overeater. I am standing and coming to you from Los Angeles where the sun has not risen. It's dark outside. That is what we call going to any lengths to stay abstinent. And um, I am blocks away from where a young 30-year-old woman with two babies walked the streets. She walked the streets of West Los Angeles, California, looking for another overeater. Because when she went to a meeting of Gamblers Anonymous, something happened to her body, a spiritual experience, where lights went off and and bells rang, and she just identified with these gamblers. Roseanne was a person who wanted to help everybody in the world because she couldn't help herself. But at night, when she got, Marvin went to sleep, and the kids laid down, all she wanted to do was shut the whole house down so she could eat and watch TV. And that was the biggest part, the only part of her life. Otherwise, all she did was obsess about how she hated her mother and about why things didn't change with everybody in her life. And so when she heard about this meeting on television at one of these shows she watched while she was stuffing food in her mouth, she went because they had a friend that needed help. And she happened to have sat near the founder and she said to him, Jim, is it Mr. Willis? Is it possible that you can do for people like me what you're doing for people like you? Because these gamblers told stories of selling their children's blood for money. And they said there was always a bottom under the bottom and that you never, and that you have to come and sit down shut up and listen and they were kind of tough they were very careful who they let in their meetings because these men had done some really bad dangerous illegal things in order to get the money to gamble and so what happened is he told her she had to find another human being and she approached everybody she knew and she kept saying I see you're fat like me and they ran away from her and it took her another year and she went back to the meeting and talked to him again and so history goes that she finally found a way to convince one of her neighbors for some trickery telling her that you know i'm going to this new organization that's starting and it really didn't exist yet and i know you won't be interested because it's not for you and of course that enticed her and then joe went and um the rest the rest is history. Our history is very exciting. So I would like today to start this meeting by reading to you the poem that Roseanne read every morning. Happy moments praise God. Difficult moments seek God. Quiet moments worship God. Painful moments trust God. But every moment, thank God. And then here's something else that she read to me. She felt no matter how much I suffered and struggled, the only way out of this addiction is for me to get a food plan, follow that food plan, to get it from a doctor or nutritionist, certainly not from somebody in program who doesn't know my body. And after I had that food plan, which would give me a little clarity, to pray for desperation. And with that desperation to understand that relapse is not a tool, that's something that did not have to happen. And so I'm here today with the message that she gave me, because I will tell you up front honestly, I have 45 years of straight continuous abstinence, but I would like to share with you how not to relapse and some of the tricks and things that I did. I think we're a little askew when we put so much concentration on food and relapse, because we gotta get that food out of the way. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how I did that. So here we go. It is said that before entering the sea, a river trembles with fear. She looks back at the path she has traveled from the peaks of the mountains, the long winding road crossing forests and villages. And in front of her, she sees an ocean so vast that to enter there seems nothing more than to disappear forever, but there is no way the river can go back. Nobody can go back. To go back means I will not exist. The river needs to take a risk of entering this new ocean because only then will fear disappear because that's when the river will know it's not about disappearing into the ocean but becoming part of the ocean. And that's exactly how I felt of fear and shame and afraid I would disappear. So with that in mind, when I was very new in the program, I went to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because we didn't have our own books, our own literature. And when OA started, we absolutely did not have speakers. And the AAs who helped us so much told us, until you get 10 years of absence, you have no business leading or speaking in a meeting because you know absolutely nothing yet. And so we went on to to do our meetings. And at one of these meetings, a man who was to become world famous in the alcoholism industry called Clancy Immersland, he's gone now. Clancy stood up before a group that had 1,500 people called the Pacific Group. And what he said, they were in a hospital. And he said, you know, you guys, here's the deal. There's a cancer ward above us. And here we are, thousands of us with addiction." And if I had a sign up sheet and I said to these people in the cancer ward above us, you have to go to seven meetings a week. You got to come an hour early and make friends. You got to shake hands. You got to have three commitments. Maybe you'll come and make coffee. Maybe you'll be a secretary or treasurer, but you got to do that from the beginning. And you got to call four people every day and you got to climb these 12 steps. But most importantly, You have to take direction and get some discipline from a person who walked ahead of you. Oh, my God. He said that if he went and said this to the cancer ward, he would be killed by hundreds of people fighting each other to get those coveted spots on the list. But in this meeting with the overeaters and the gamblers and the drinkers, you know what he found? They said to him, well, I can't go on Tuesday because I'm in the church choir. And my husband doesn't like me to do things on the weekend. And so here's what Clancy said to them. Get another husband. Quit the choir. The truth is you're dying of this disease or you're not. And from the beginning, what he screamed from the podium is what I will tell you today. Hopefully not screaming. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us. We will go insane. We will go to jail. Or we will die we have a condition that cannot be stopped. And there's always a bottom, again, under that bottom. And we never know how bad it will get. For me, I was rolling dope over the border with heroin addicts because I was so lonely. And the loneliness of an overeater who's been that way since he was a child, who was given drugs at 10 or 11 because her parents didn't know what to do. The loneliness of a woman who was so desperate for affection I needed attention so badly. I don't know. Now, it's possible that when my father almost died in the war, when I was very tiny, and we had to go up and down from the time I was one, and I kept going, more new me, more new me. All I wanted was food, because that's what they did. Fat babies were cute in those days. And then it's possible that when my family had another child, I was 10, and he was born blind. And my world crashed, you know, because here's this kid who rang the bell to open Disneyland, you know, and became world famous, first blind kid to go to school. And there I was in the pictures, fat, trying to hide behind a coach, you know? Who knows if it was, it doesn't, does it matter? And we spent hours and years trying to figure out what happened and why we bled and what caused it. What matters is that I stopped. What matters, the big book says, is that I abstain completely. And in order to do that, I was told some very simple things. Why, here's my cooler, it's 45 years old and I take it with me everywhere. It's the answer to 90% of the questions I'm asked. How do I do this at a family event? I'm a teacher, how do I do this with the children in school? Very simple, you open the cooler, And in the mornings, you put the appropriate things for your diet. Right now, I have some problems with my liver. Because you see, I was 33 when I got here, but I did a lot of damage to my body. By 33, I had already gotten a congestive heart flow going wrong. We didn't know this until I got much, much older. I had already surrounded my liver, which didn't show up. It's called fatty liver, which is showing up in the majority of people who lost 100 pounds who have been here a long time and we did a lot of damage with all the diet cokes and the food plans that we gave each other and so i have this pack of tuna that's salt free and i usually carry some string beans you know that are on I mean, the long ones because i've learned that they're a lot better for you and i carry some sugar-free applesauce and always tons of vegetables and in the kitchen now i knew i was going to be up really early this morning and Thank goodness I take some medicines, and there are medicines in the morning that you have to take some Pepsid because of the damage I did from the Diet Cokes and all the salsa that I used to eat, and I have to take this Pepsid and wait an hour, Then I have to take some other thing and wait an hour. So, you know, it's not like I could pop up and eat. I wish I knew about this years ago. I would have had them prescribe it then, and I have a mouth guard. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. You see, in Overeaters Anonymous, every seemingly bad thing that happens. The fact that I had an illegitimate child, that I lived with men who beat me up. And when they left, I put those kids in the car and went to bars looking for them. These are wonderful things because I can spit them out at a meeting. And some young girl who doesn't think much of herself, she may weigh a hundred pounds and think she's fat, you know, and riding to a prisoner. And now he's getting out of jail and he's gonna come to try to live with her. And she can hear me say, I don't live like that anymore. And she's welcome in my home at any moment. She can look in my closet, and some have done that, to make sure there's no drunk man inside, you know, because everything I do. Nancy, that's 10 minutes. Everything I do, you're welcome to see and welcome to share. There's no secrets in my life anymore. And the shame that I carried, if I would have seen you walking with your mom, and you were across the street, I would have run to the other side of the street, because I would be so embarrassed that you would have to introduce her to me. And I don't walk with that shame now. My head is up and I have purpose. And that my friends is the joy of this program. It is that I had a lot of things that stood between me and God. And the biggest secret was they told me there are people here who have suffered and struggled enough and they came before me and they threw out these stones and they learned how to work this. They learned how to if they were having trouble with food that day, they learned to change. If you ate with your, if you ate with your right hand, try eating with your left. It'll slow you down. And get a bunch of paper plates that are very small, and eat your one meal on that plate. It'll look a lot bigger. And they taught me, always, always leave food on my plate. That was hard. I had a lot of bad habits, and they told me if I went to the store and I stuffed grapes or some candy in my mouth because I'd done it for. Thirty-three years that it wasn't a break of abstinence because I can spit it out and write a letter and make an amends to that store. You know, the truth was is that I take action immediately. And if I call into my sponsor, my food sponsor, and tell her I'm having chicken and I get somewhere and there's no chicken, you know, maybe I don't get to eat. You know, maybe what I do is I, when in doubt, leave it out until I call another member of the program and get their permission. It's about accountability. You know, many of the things we do and we're told to do or we have not, we don't need to judge. We just need to do them. And I think that's the problem here is so many of us are so resistant because we are, the book says our problem is being self-centered. And so what I learned to do is that if there's a hundred people in the room and 75 are not abstaining and complaining, I've learned to find the one or two who give me hope. This is a program where you go for the hope. I find the one or two who maybe study the book for a couple hours and then they go to the park and they swing on the swings, Because this is about being happy, joyous, and free. This is about people in your life and you may have to let go of people, places, and things. In order for me to stay 300 pounds and five feet one, what I had to do was gather around me people who weren't that kind. I had to gather around me people I could boss around or save. I had to work for people who told me I was too fat to have lunch breaks to sit down and do my work. When my children would call and I was a single mom and they were terrified of me as it was. You know, they got to where they hid in the closet when our doorbell rang, Because I would meet guys, the wreckage of my present, my first 20 years was not pretty. I abstained, but I was crazy. Because when you took away my food, you took away my arms and legs. And so all these things had to be worked out. Sobriety, we call it sobriety. It takes a very long time. And in the beginning, you know, for me, they told me to find a posse of friends and have some fun, that I could get into the rough stuff and start digging into those inventories and doing that later. Because whatever I did in the beginning would just be cursory because I wasn't well enough to dig deep yet, you know? And so the truth is so many of us want to do it and I heard they have groups where you do the 12 steps in four months. Never heard of that in Los Angeles. We go about a step a year, and we really spend time. We don't sit and listen in groups to people reading the book to us. We sit at our sponsor's knee, and we hold hands and say prayers every week, and we have these little study groups where we really talk about what is God to me, and what does that step mean, we talk about that river I just read you about, and how it's going one way, and we're always trying to go the other way. And how, when we think we're doing something that's so good for us, the problem is when I say to you, I think, I decide I'm in trouble. This is not an I program. This is not self help. This is not a self help program. This is a we program where somebody else tells upon you exactly what you should do every day. And in the beginning, My sponsor said, you call me every morning and I'll tell you what color socks to wear. And one day I had on some stuff that was yellow and she told me to wear red socks that I will never forget this. And I kicked and screamed and yelled and wore them. And you know, it became a joke where I worked because the next week they had red sock day and everybody wore red socks, you know? It just, we never know why it was just a matter of my being willing to do something else other than what I decided. And I will tell you that everything that's happened to me from getting a job at one of the biggest television net- networks in the country, you know, and, and working in an eating disorder hospital and getting to touch the lives of so many, but I do wanna hit one or two things. When I came in and when Roseanne founded Over Eaters Anonymous, there were only fat people. And as we realized that eating disorders carried over to a lot of other addictions and, and different ways of expressing, I came to the conclusion this working in the hospital programs. We are all anorexic. I denied myself real love. Somebody who really cared for somebody that I could control. I denied myself the person, people in my life that just did everything they could to encourage me to abstain. They said, in fact, can't you have just one? And you're not welcome here if you have to bring your own food all the time. And so I didn't go back. And I had to do a lot of letting go. And then, you know, I denied myself the idea of having my own thoughts because I kind of took on whatever you needed me to be. And what I learned here is how to temper things. For instance, the other day I was somewhere in a very dear, fair of who was giving directions to somebody or telling them where a restaurant was. And I stopped them. And I said, no, it's not there. It's on this corner. And the truth was, it didn't matter. And how rude of me. According to our steps and our principles and our traditions, our job is to put into the universe what's positive and what's good. And it wasn't for the good and welfare of any of us, that I interrupted her to be important. you know. And these are the things I've learned to look at, what my part is in everything I do. And I've come to find out, and I'm going to share with you something else because I think this is so important. One of the greatest joys of surrendering my addiction was getting help. I could not just stop doing things that were destructive. After I stopped overeating, I chased men. After I chased men, I started talking too much. After I started talking too much, I did so much service, I almost got ill. But I was able to replace all these addictions with a fellowship of thousands and a guide called a sponsor. My sponsor helped me as, you, as I needed to try to become honest, to become loving, and to become kind, to have self-worth, to lack shame, and to be of service always to my fellow man. Miraculously, I gained dignity, and I became happy, joyous, and free. I had such a sponsor, and this is true, until just about a week ago. An unexpected brain bleed came upon her, and she died almost immediately. I am sad, but OA has taught me to be grateful for the time I had with her, and and it goes on to talk about how she was not just my sponsor, my friend, because the founder was my sponsor. And when Roseanne died, you can imagine what that was like. Took me a long time, but I'll tell you a little about Barbara. Barbara was the complete antithesis, the complete opposite of everything I ever wanted. Barbara was and dignified and quiet and a writer for the Los Angeles Times and loved animals. And I didn't have that kind of patience. And she would sit outside and she made me move. She made me sell my house and move to get away from all those old memories and said, you need to start anew about 20 years ago. And then she taught me about if there's a squirrel in the street or a bird, that she wanted me to get to a place where I could stop still. And right here, right now, Be with that squirrel and that bird and enjoy it. Right here, right now. Because that's all we have is that moment. And that's really meditation. Is sitting on your butt, taking a deep breath and learning to make room for the next thought. So a person like me who ran at a thousand miles an hour, terrified her children, embarrassed her family, did horrible, ridiculous things just to breathe. Because why? Because life as it was, was too difficult for me to live in the unexpected, to not know what was going to happen, to not be able to control was impossible for this overeater. And what I have learned slowly but surely through the fellowship and the people in Overeaters Anonymous and the steps, but mostly through the concepts of AA that we have been given, which are called the traditions, is how to live life. And it's about being honest and kind and loving. And it's about having these rules. Is what I'm about to say today going to harm anybody in my life? Is what I'm about to do, my actions, going to help the planet? And mostly, is what I'm about to eat, to put in my mouth, going to nurture my body? And is this friend that's coming into my house going to lift my spirits? And so I have built my friends for, you, for me something I wish from all of you, a home where I look outside and there's trees all over and I can spend hours sitting in a chair, looking at those leaves. Do you know that many trees have a lot of colors? Auntie, a lot of colors. That's 20 minutes? They're miraculous things I have learned, but I've learned that to get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. So Overeaters Anonymous calls. For a very lot of change. I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment. I'm gonna see if I can find it to read to you a very short synopsis that we wrote, a group of us together recently of the 12 steps. Because when we speak, we don't have the time. And when we do a retreat and we're there for a whole weekend, we can run you through the 12 steps. But for those of you who are interested, and those of the who are new. I'm going to give you a little idea of what's in store, the beauty that waits for you here. I took step one, but I began to moan. I can't do this on my own. I took step two. I began to pray. Restore me, God, please now today. I took step three and gave up my will. Maybe God could love me still. I took a fourth and I looked deep inside. Nothing more would I hide. And on the fifth, I said aloud, I've done something wrong and I'm not proud. I took step six and I got prepared to lose the defects. I was scared. Now I'm at seven, take them away. My God for this I do pray. And on eight, the list was very long. Amends to make for all the wrongs. I took step nine, I put down my pride. Amends I made, again, I will not hide. Step 10, I take each day I pray. I make amends along the way. And on 11, I pray to know each day his will, which way should I go? I take step 12, I'm like a bird. To others now, I can spread the word, you know? And I think that's it is that through the act of service and overeaters anonymous, I found a career of public information and now um, when Roseanne died, I promised her that I would spend the rest of my life dedicating myself to any youngster who's out there struggling and suffering because I believe that this is a program of being happy, joyous, and free. I think that when God thinks you've had enough, he will send down people from heaven to guide you and it's just a matter of whether you're willing to take their hand. And for God's sakes, put your cameras on. Don't hide when you come into Overeaters Anonymous. I don't care what state you're in. We want to see your eyes. We want to know that you're with us. Become a member. You know, when we're on the Titanic, a lot of people changed seats and they changed floors. But the smart people got off, you know. And the truth was, I can give you the key to the kingdom. And oh, my God, there's so much to learn here and so much joy and so much to find out and so many simple things to do. but no longer do I believe that having that lawyer husband, even though he beat the crap out of me on a daily basis, was what made me a human being. And you know and, and I cannot go back. I have a daughter that hasn't talked to me for 35 years. I lay in a hospital bed not you know 20 years ago, and they didn't clear the margins of they lumpectomy, and I had to have a mastectomy. And so what I did, my cure was I started to go to lots of women's meetings and to learn how to deal with these things, and you just don't give up. You learn that every time I talk about these things from the podium, again, somebody will call me and say, I just got diagnosed, or I need this surgery, and I'm putting it off, you know, and again, we do a lot of damage to ourselves, but most of us, I have all my teeth, because I have learned to take care of myself, and overeaters, Anonymous of us, because I picked the winners to hang out with, And I will let you know that in the Los Angeles inner group, we have a lot of absence and a lot of old timer meetings. There's a meeting out of Houston on Sunday where an old timer speaks for an hour. And on um, October 24th, we're gonna replay the 2000 video that was made professionally of Roseanne by a television reporter. And we're, we're hoping that all of you will come and learn about our history. This is a program where you need to call for people every day and not tell them what's wrong. And our meetings, we need to share wellness, not illness. We need to take our problems to our sponsors and the solutions to the meetings. And everything in Overeaters Anonymous will stay strong, you know. So I hope for every one of you as you go along that you will find some willingness. And I, I hope that all of you get a mantra like this. And I try to say this every morning: I am whole, I am complete, I am perfect because my sponsor said that to me every day. And after many, many years, I finally began to believe it. And I think that's the essence here, is the repetition in our meetings of the same things. And the fact that for so long, they kept me quiet and didn't let me say much. They told me I had a lot to learn. And then I became willing to just- Nancy, you have five minutes left. left. Okay. So I would like to, um, Share with you a a few of the things like if you take the I out of illness and you replace it with we, you get wellness. What a wonderful thing. And for those of you that are struggling, one of the ideas for relapse that we tell people to do, and it really is great, is every hour on the hour, even if you're at work, even if you've got seven kids, you know, remember I was living with a man beating me up. I weighed 300 pounds, I couldn't get a job and I was working in places where they laughed at me. And I, ha- I had these small kids and a mother who was, had Alzheimer's and calling me every day to tell me I was worthless. And you know, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. That day I got diagnosed with that mastectomy. It didn't matter when my father died and I knew. It didn't matter when my sponsor died. I had one thing going for me. It's called abstinence. And that day, if I ate what I was supposed to eat. So for me personally, I have to have a food plan and I have to know what it is and I have to plan it by the week and I have to prepare that food ahead because I can't kid myself. That darn stuff never killed me and I have tried to eliminate the facsimile of what used to kill me. We had things like came in that was uh, sugar-free or non fat this and it was copies of stuff. So I try to eat as whole as, again, is what I'm putting in my body going to nurture me? I'm who I hanging out with going to lift my spirits because the book says, if you read it carefully, I think it's on page 77. Our whole purpose here is to come to peace with God and be of service to our fellow man. And all I want is that when one of you is in trouble and knocks on my door, or one of you in trouble calls me up, that what I'm doing is something that will excite you. What I'm doing is something, and it shouldn't be hard for somebody as old as I am to pop out of bed at four in the morning to talk because I'm full of the sunlight of the spirit, because I have worked hard to remove the things that stand between me and God. And that's the trick. I have to remove those character defects, the things that keep me from being able to let the sunshine through. And we all have the ability to have a good time. If we learn how to fly a kite, we learn how to play with balloons. I think it's overeaters. We were in a lot of trouble when we were very young and we never got to play. Some of the men in Alcoholics Anonymous, the founders, used to say, I'd like to go to a convention of OA and just give you all balloons and Play-Doh and let you just be kids in color. How many of us do that on a daily basis? And it's so much fun. So I have learned, instead of struggling and suffering, to play. And I will tell you what I do. I volunteer. I've done it for years in kinder and first grade. And that's kind of how I make amends to those children. My children, Roseanne, a lot of our children were sacrificed desperately. Our parents were treated horribly by us because my first couple of years were miserable in program because I blamed everybody and everything until I started to realize it was me that had to change, not them. And miraculously, when I changed, they changed. So I think for me, there's three questions. And I hope all of you will answer them quietly as I read them. Do you think you have a problem with food? And it's a yes or no question. The second question, are you willing to want help? A yes or no question. Because when I ask these questions to people in Overeaters Anonymous, who are relapsing, they tend to wanna to give me stories. It's a yes or no question. And the third question is, are you willing to go to any links? You have one until So you could answer to that one yes, minute left. I will give you the name of a hundred people, but I have something I'm going to show you a timer. And you get three minutes with me. And if at the end of that three minutes you haven't said, How are you today? I have to hang up because I don't allow the toxicity that's coming from the overeater to me unless they are willing to go to any lengths. And you'll find that the old timers are kind of tough. Because we protect this. So I guess I want to close by telling you that in Overeaters Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a definition of a success. And the success has to do with, do you have a garden that's lovely so your neighbors can come by and see the beauty out front? Do you maybe help with your neighborhood with a social action cause, you know, or somebody who's ill in the building? Or even better. Do you help somebody in Overeaters Anonymous who's having a hard time? Which means to every one of you in those squares, if you're a member of this fellowship and you're helping another, you've made life easier for another person to breathe today, what could be a bigger success? To all the successes that have listened to me today, I thank you. And if anybody wants to ask a question instead of sharing, I'm more than happy to listen. My email is there. Please use it. You suck us dry, and it's up to us to tell you when to stop calling. Thank you so much for this opportunity to do my dream, which is travel all over the world for Overeaters Anonymous, even if it's on Zoom. Thank you.